Sarah, this is John Kane, and I welcome you to Let's Talk Native. This is show number 447. We're streaming live and recording for podcast on Saturday, July 25th, 2020. While this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage, in some cases, start conversations. We're shooting for a different kind of enlightenment here, and we kind of break the rules for Native Radio. We don't do prayers, and we don't do Buffalo speeches, and we don't do spirituality shows. We, uh, we take a tough look at history, oppression, survival. We talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity, and we may step on a few toes along the way. But our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. We will take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all that is heaped upon us. And we do it all right here live from the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. So let's talk Native. All right. Well, I promised we would uh, um, get an update on what's happening with the Seneca Nation in terms of uh, their battle with New York State over big dollars as far as the the Seneca Nation and Seneca people are concerned. Half a billion dollar check uh, that is poised to be written. Another half a billion that'll get paid going forward through 2023 and and who knows for how long after that. But my topic here tonight is our leaders are lawyers. And I don't mean your tribal counselors, your elected counselors, your chief's counsels. No, they don't have law degrees. But they're not leading you. You're being led by lawyers. You're being led by lawyers that have been hired for decades in some cases. The same lawyers that negotiated the really crappy compact that you have in the first place. The one where you even tied up land and land acquisition to a gaming compact. The stupidest goddamn thing I've ever heard in my, go- all, in my whole life. Yeah, some of those lawyers are some of the same lawyers that are, uh, that are advising. No, take it back. They're leading. They're deciding the fate of the Seneca Nation. Because... It doesn't matter. You guys have an election coming up in, in November. You know, other territories have elections. None of those people are the ones that are leading your, your community, leading your sometimes your multi-billion dollar operations, your, your businesses, your, your future. I mean, I don't know how the freak we talk about seven generations when we, when we got two-bit hustler lawyers that are making the decisions for us based on complying with, the, with, with federal law, not based on challenging it, Hell, we can't, we can't even challenge the law as it's written on the books to be followed as it's written on the books. Forget about following, challenging whether, whether it should even apply to us. <laughs> I mean, some of the same lawyers who negotiate the crappy compact for the, for the Seneca Nation are some of the same lawyers who, who beat them up badly the first time they withheld payments, who, who, who did a, a, a piss-poor job managing the PR side of that whole thing. Um, they're the same ones that, uh, again, urged the Seneca Nation to cut a check then for $400 million and never even, and, and oh yeah, they kept $200 million, but they never even changed the percentage going forward. They kept paying 25% of the net slot drop, even though they had no exclusivity. They just, they just kept going, just kept going. And so this time when they, uh, when clearly the compact, which is, again poorly written shows no um extension of payments once the re- they renewed the compact in 2016 it showed no, it showed no further payments past the 14 year initial period their lawyers failed miserably in arbitration hearings now and and i want to keep again keep in mind the reason they wrote 
that $400 million check in, uh, in 2013 to solve the first conflict they had over the state not really providing an exclusivity zone was because the lawyers had convinced all 16 counselors, president and, and treasurer of the Seneca Nation, that if you don't pay the state something, and something substantial, that Andrew Cuomo won't renew the compact in 2016. So this fear that somehow, if they don't pay, make these ex- that extortion payment back then, that, that $400 million extortion payment, if they didn't make that one, the state would walk away from the table and the Senecas wouldn't have a compact. Some of us say, so what? If the state walks away, they don't have the power to shut down native gaming. I think it's even questionable whether the federal, the federal government does. Keep in mind, and, and I say this all the time, but the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act did not make native gaming legal. Let me say it again. The Indian Gaming Act, the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act, IGRA, did not make native gaming, even class three gaming, legal. It was already legal. It was already legal before the Supreme Court said it was legal. And in fact, all the Supreme Court said was, yeah, what they're doing, not what they're going to do, but what native people are doing is legal. They have the right to do gaming. They didn't give it to us. They acknowledged that that right existed. IGRA, if anything, it gave away power over gaming. It gave it to the state. It, it gave it to the federal government in ways that we, would have, that we never would have done that. But, you know, we put our head down and say, okay, we'll, we'll do gaming the way you, you want us to. But again, keep in mind, IGRA did not make gaming legal. It, it just put, it put, the state, um, it, it put the state in our business. And even though IGRA has some language that suggests that the reason they passed this federal statute was to prevent organized crime and aggressive states, which are kind of the same thing. The states are organized crime. I mean, they're screwing not only the... I mean, I don't mean just New York State. I mean, there are Native people being screwed in... I know in New Mexico, Oklahoma, and New York, and there's got to be at least a half dozen other states where where Native gaming is being um, extorted... is having money extorted out of them by emboldened state governors on both sides of the aisle, Democrats and Republicans... And so why is that? It's because the lawyers are telling everybody, just, just pay, just pay. So here's what the situation is now in Seneca Territory. They have put in escrow about a half a billion dollars. And I don't know. I mean, look, I, I don't have any insight any more than anybody else does, really. But I just did the math basically lead up to, leading up to the point. They got about a half a billion dollars in escrow. But when they lost when their lawyers lost for them in arbitration there was also language in there that talked about um interest being accumulated almost like a a maintenance fee as they call it i guess um between the time they actually paid and and the and the time of that uh, of that ruling by uh, in arbitration and that is turning out to be about a million dollars a month i guess or something along those lines now apparently (laughs) In some, again, advised by lawyers saying, oh, no, you should pay that. Well, if you pay that, why are you paying the whole damn thing in the first place? I mean, it doesn't even make sense. But so what the powers that be in Seneca Territory are saying, we can't afford to, to, pay, the, uh, you know, to, to pay the interest or that maintenance fee um, because our revenue is, is gone. You know, they started up the casinos, but they're not making money yet. I mean, and it'll be a while. So we can't afford to pay that. 
well, you know what? You know what happens when I can't afford to pay something? I don't pay it. <laughs> it's, it's that simple. And what, what's going to happen? Nobody's going to shut their lights off. So why pay this, this so-called maintenance fee? Which is essentially, you know, compliance anyway to what you say doesn't, you know, shouldn't, you know, isn't legal. So they're going to cut a check for half a billion dollars, $500 million, because they're afraid of what's accumulating per month today that they can't afford to pay. Instead of just letting that accumulate and let that accrue. Look, maybe, you know, look, you're not, <laughs> you would, that money, that number would be up to well over 600 million by now if, if COVID-19 hadn't happened. Yeah, that money is acute. That that number is not growing as fast as it would have been growing if you were operating. I realize you got other things at play here, but I mean, let's. So the lawyers are saying, just pay it. And and here's the reason the lawyers are saying it. The, again, these are the same lawyers that negotiated the compact. The same lawyers that you know that were involved together uh, as they defended this thing in arbitration. I'm not saying it's the same voices, but it's the same group of legal minds here. And, and look, for anybody who thinks, oh, the problem is they're not native lawyers, bullshit. The native lawyers are some of the worst because they are, they're completely indoctrinated. One of the ones that's advising the, advising the Sanka Nation is, is terrible. And she's from Akwesasne or something like that. And she's terrible. She's saying, we, when we re- renegotiate a compact in, uh, in 2023, we should set it up so we never have to re- renegotiate again. Wait, what? You want to you set up a compact that you never have an opportunity to renegotiate you're gonna you want something that's gonna be perpetual in in perpetuity forever are you freaking nuts you guys can't even resolve when you did have a a renewal date where certain things sunset you you haven't even, even been able to defend that then i mean again you think Seneca's, you think you're electing people? Yeah, look, you can talk about Seneca Party and you know independence and, and all that stuff. It doesn't matter. You think <laughs> you're electing the people who are making decisions, and you're not. They're just signing. Yeah, they're just authorizing the decisions that lawyers already made, and not just lawyers. There's consultants. There's lobbyists. There's there's PR firms. <laughs> there was there's a firm that doesn't even call themselves a PR firm. They call themselves we're a public policy firm. We're a public. We're public policy consultants. They were hired by the Seneca Nation to take on Andrew Cuomo publicly to you know to to call him out on racism. They didn't do a goddamn thing in the whole time they've been under contract with the Seneca Nation. So a couple of weeks ago, they come in <laughs> with the pitch for. How are they going to manage the PR when they when they give their concession speech and and you know give them the big styrofoam check again like they did last time? And I'm thinking, well, wait a second, you're going to hire a firm that's going to manage your your surrender agreement to the state? I mean, it's it's bad enough. I mean, I gotta tell you, it's bad enough you're doing it in the first place, but now you're going to pay a firm that's going to what put lipstick on that pig? Give me a freaking break. So. Look, I, I don't know what to tell the Seneca people. I'm just telling you, you know, kind of what is as as I understand it. And and again, if you don't know the stuff that I know, you're just not asking, you know. And um, but <sighs> so so there it is. Your 
lawyers are going to um, draft up the concession uh, speech. They're going to manage with this public policy firm how they're going to, you know, doll this thing up. They're going to issue the $500 million check and then continue to pay probably up to another $500 million before this compact is over. And you know what? If They're probably going to say, oh, we're going to keep paying in 20, after 20. I mean, there's nobody saying, there's nobody advising the Senate Nation to say, no, we need to get rid of the, of, of the, um, uh, of the revenue sharing. There's still this like hang-up that if, if we don't give the state something, they're not going to play nice with us. I mean, this is the definition of extortion. You're paying somebody for the goodwill not to harm you. I mean, that is the definition of extortion. But, but these aren't even the decisions being made by, by the folks that you think you're elected. And look, the same thing goes for traditional councils. I mean, you don't think Joe Heath has more influence than Onondaga than, than anybody else? Of course he does. And he runs around the country bragging about all the great work he's done. So we are in a, in a look, we, you know, Haudenosaunee, we used to be known for our diplomacy, our statesmanship, our ability to carry ourselves. <laughs> we don't carry ourselves now. We have white men do it for us all. We, we, you know, we, have, we have white guys do it. And we have white guys putting the words in our mouth for, as PR firms and public policy firms. We have white guys who... who do all the backdoor speaking for us as, as lobbyists in Washington and Albany. We have white guys who are drafting all the documents. Because I got to tell you, the, the gaming compact that the Seneca Nation has sucks. And I say it sucks for, and not even because of, of what they give the state, but how they gave it to the state. They, they literally created a situation where the state gets to extort from money from them. But here's the other thing. In somebody's infinite wisdom, and I can't believe a counselor came up with this idea. I gotta believe it came from legal counsel. That said, why don't we tie your land acquisitions clause of the Salamanca Lease Settlement Act to the to the gaming compact? We will agree, because the state's gonna love us for this. We will agree that we will not buy any other property. We'll only buy property up to a certain limit. I think five million dollars. We'll only buy five million dollars worth of property. And we will exhaust any funds that was that was laid out in the Salamanca Lee Settlement Act for land acquisition, and we'll only buy property for other than get the three gaming sites that we want. Any other property we buy will not be commercial property. It'll only be residential property, or I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know, maybe parks or something like that, but it won't be commercial property. So, so what happens? Senate Asia buys a buys land and puts a golf course, on, and and they're paying taxes on it. They they have other lands and holdings that they that they buy, and they're not sure what the hell to do. So, they literally gave away what essentially is is a golden goose that nobody else has. This ability to, to reacquire lost land that doesn't involve feed a trust or or, or you know or having land put into federal trust for them no it they get to buy they have <laughs> they literally have this provision in a in a federal law that allows them to reacquire lost land in a, in a streamlined fashion and they gave a bunch of it away in their gaming compact these are the lawyers these these are the lawyers that came up now granted you the people you elected agree with these lawyers and they and they you know, just agree whatever what whatever the hell they tell them to do. But 
yeah, that's that's the that's the deal, folks. <laughs> I hate to tell you, but if you think that you're being that you have you know your leaders, so I mean, if you, if you have questions about why the Seneca Nation or why the Saint Regis or why you know any place else doesn't do certain things, why they don't assert themselves more, it, it's because they're not being advised. They're being advised against it. I mean, this public policy firm that was hired, that was supposed to take on Andrew Cuomo, had, hasn't done a goddamn thing since they've been hired. I mean, in the, in the national spotlight, there have been stories about New Mexico and revenue sharing, uh, uh, terrible revenue sharing agreements, and what the, the state has been trying to do to Native uh, peoples there. There's been stories in Oklahoma. There, there's been nothing in New York. I mean, other than the, the Seneca's fighting it and losing it in arbitration another really stupid idea included in the in the compact by these lawyers as far as they were how they're going to resolve conflict Get, you know let let you know white guys decide in arbitration what, what's going to happen yeah that, that was a, that was a good move so when i say our leaders are lawyers it's because the people you think are these figureheads these uh, you know these these people you elect or these these chiefs or chairman or whatever the hell you you call them it's the lawyers who are making decisions these guys just have to they these are these are the ones who sign the papers and then then piss them on about it later so um you know look i, I there's probably nothing most of us can do about it I mean, of course i don't have a dog in this fight i'm not i'm not seneca um i'm Outraged, even though I'm not Seneca, <laughs> but um, look, I, I know they're gonna they're gonna try to smooth this over with everybody and tell them, look, this is why we have to do this. We're COVID nineteen, COVID nineteen. This is this is like the, the politicians who used to cite nine nine eleven every time they they, they got into a sticky you know, a sticky situation. Well, that's what's gonna happen with COVID nineteen. Anytime you have to make a bad decision, well, this is COVID nineteen. Uh, look, and I'm not. You know, saying COVID nineteen is a hoax or anything else, but the way it's being used in this situation, yeah, I I don't know what the, what the solutions are, but yeah, I, I, but I gotta say, there are things that are wrong on our territories. We've got drug problems on our territories. You know, a couple of posts, Jocelyn and others were posting about you know drug houses. I don't know, seven of them or seven or more of them here on in Cattaraugus on on one road. A um, couple of overdoses uh, over the last few days, including a death, from what I understand. And they have tobacco police. They have this this thing called import export whatever law, and and they have they have these cars with these big insignias on the side that look like they're law enforcement, and they're essentially tobacco. There are there's more tobacco regulations. Then, then any there is there are no Seneca regulations as it relates to to drugs, heroin, or any, coke, and none of that stuff. I mean, of course, they're looking real tough at, at marijuana, which again, the least of the problems, you know, among the least of the problems. But no, they have a tobacco police force here, but they don't have anybody even attempting to shut down drug houses. Why? Their lawyers are probably uh, um, advising them not to. Uh, the marshals, and I, and you can't blame blame the Seneca marshals, or uh, because they only have so much authority. They they do have to operate within the Seneca Nation's constitution. 
Now, granted, they're also going to be uh, have legal looking over their shoulders too, and everybody's looking, and all legal is looking over, uh, you know, everything the Seneca Nation does. So what happens? Well, we're we're just going to ignore that problem. We're going to ignore the drug problem. We're going to ignore whatever's happening on on territory that is harmful to the people, as we lay down for the state. And that, this isn't just a Seneca problem. This exists every place. I mean, I, I see what's happening in Osage territory. I see, see what's happening. I mean, the reason the problems exist in Oklahoma and, and New Mexico, again, bad lawyering. I mean, the lawyers craft these gaming compacts. The lawyers craft the relationship with the states. We don't do that anymore. We don't stand up. I mean, the people do on occasion. The, you know, I mean, the people have, I mean, look, the Seneca Nation did not authorize people to shut the throughway down when, uh, over the tax battles. Uh, Seneca Nation, you know, tried to smooth it over. But just so you know, and, and I'm not blaming, you know, any specific Seneca, you know, leader or, or party or anything else. But at some point, the people got to stand up. I mean, look, that's what we're seeing with Black Lives Matter. We're seeing it with, with the protests on environmental issues. How, the way the Seneca people stepped up um, about the, um, the fracking water going into the Cottersport Waste Treatment Facility at the headwaters of the Allegheny, that was great to see. But I got to tell you, at some point, the people need to stand up to deal not only with, this, with lawyers dictating what happens in, in all things related to, to governance, but... The people need to rise up to decide what they're going to do about the problems in the territory, you know, including th- these drug houses. So, look, we, we've got to do more. We we just we all have to do more. And 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 I don't look. I'm I'm not Seneca. I live here, and I I try to be gracious about the welcome that I do have living here in Seneca territory, and. Any of these opinions that I express are not to condemn certain politicians or um, or the Senate committee. It's condemning the system that is pervasive throughout Native territories. I'm not picking on the Seneca Nation. I mean, it's it's unfortunate that as programs are going to have to be cut, as uh, people are having their salaries cut and their and their wages cut, as uh, there becomes less and less. Um, I don't know, security in working for the Seneca Nation or collecting annuities or any of that stuff. The state's getting theirs. The state's getting theirs. So you're not the cost of doing business. They are. So nobody, I mean, you think you're shareholders and you're not. You get paid hush money. And, and, and then even as they reduce that hush money, they're going to tell you, don't make too much noise or we'll cut it more. Now, it used to be, you know, a death sentence for a Seneca politician or, you know, a council or a president to cut annuities. Well, good thing they got COVID so they can, they can pull this off. And, and look, people can have different, different opinions about, uh, you know, annuities, but when I see more money going to the state of New York out of Seneca gaming operations than goes anywhere else, that's just, man, that's just pitiful. And look, 
<laughs> the guys in Aquasasi, they pay 25% of the net slot drop. I, mean, I should say St. Regis. Oneida, they pay 25% of the net slot drop. Other states, what, what Oklahoma and New Mexico are trying to do to the native gaming facilities there, they're trying to get them to pay as much as, as, as the folks here pay. The standard, the bar, has been set by the Seneca Nation. Everybody else is squeezed to get to that same place the Seneca Nation is paying. In fact, <laughs> the state licensed casinos, they're trying to get their numbers reduced down you know, so they're not paying more than the Seneca Nation. They want 25% to be what everybody has to pay because that's the bar the, Seneca, the, the, the lawyers advising the Seneca Nation set for sharing gaming revenue. And, and let's be clear. There is no revenue sharing agreement. No, there isn't. Because in order to, for there to be an agreement, both sides have to agree, and they don't. The reason there's a half a billion dollars sitting in an account right now is because the Seneca said, no, we don't owe you the money. And now they're saying, okay, we owe you the money, and we owe you more money because we didn't pay you in a timely fashion. You're going to agree with all that? Oh, man. I hate doing shows like this. You know, I'd, I'd love to, I'd rather do a show that rallies support, you know, um, amongst the people and, and, and so-called leadership and not have to talk about the influence that lawyers, lobbyists, and consultants have. But that's who run things. I mean, that's who run things. You know, even, even the press conferences, the press releases, they're written by white people, folks. <laughs> they're, they're written by white people. And, uh, you know, and, and the people who, who claim to be lobbyists for the Seneca Nation in Albany and in Washington, what they, what they pitch is that they can get the Seneca voice heard by the governor or the president or the interior or whatever. But the reality is, that's what they're pitching to the governor and to the president. They're saying, "Look, we 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 can we can you know massage the Senecas. We we can bring the Senecas around, and they do. And they don't just look. Every one of those firms, the the Seneca, the, the firm the Seneca uses, they're doing the same thing to other people. That's what makes them the experts on on tribal gaming. <laughs> That's what they call it, right? The experts on on, on Indian gaming." The experts. Why? Because they heard everybody down the same corral, right down the same chute to the slaughter. There's nobody saying, you know what? We're going to do this differently. That voice doesn't exist. And here's the thing. The reason the lawyers are telling the Senecas to go ahead and pay this half a billion, ultimately that'll be a full billion by the time this thing is done. Uh, what, and keep in mind, they already paid $1.4 billion in the in the first 14 years. So... The reason these lawyers are saying, oh, no, you got to pony up another billion to go with the billion and a half you already paid is because they said you only have a 2% chance of, of, beating, of defeating them in a, in a court of law. Then why are you my lawyers? If, if you don't think we, we can stand up, then go represent somebody else. Or, you know, at some point, we need to solve these issues politically, not in a court of law. But we don't have any diplomats. We don't have any statesmen. And the few that exist, they are the outliers. So, I, so, so there you have it. I mean, this is 
my frustration on what is about to happen to the Seneca people is a frustration that I share with every Native territory. Because, look, most of the people that I talk to from other territories are the people. They aren't tribal counselors. They aren't chiefs. They're, they're the people who are saying, no, we're being screwed. We're not being, we're, we're not being you know, getting a fair shake. We, we, our voices aren't heard. I hear this everywhere, coast to coast. Canadian side as well, with the so-called band councils. I mean, they're worse. They're, I mean, they are, you know, <laughs> look, I, 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 I sometimes talk about the band councils being um, turned into these municipal governments of Canada. I mentioned this before, but there was a, another white guy that was hired by the um, uh, Seneca Nation to do an, uh, an economic impact study. Literally in his first draft, listed the Seneca Nation somewhere between states and counties in the, the, the tiers of U.S. government. They literally were, they literally were referring to the Seneca Nation as a, municip- a municipality within the legal construct of, of, the, of the United States. B- beneath the state, too. So, I mean, this is, what, this is how these people view us. The ones that are, that, are, that are leading your policies, creating your contracts, may, you know, advising you, know, you on what decisions to make or not make, they think we're, we're white. They think we're, you know, that we're some subservient municipality uh, under state, under federal. I mean, they don't even know where to put us in terms of county or townships or anything else. They, 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 don't, they don't even know. All they know is it's somewhere in there. Yeah, these are the white guys that they hire. And you know what? You know what, how they get hired? Because every freaking buddy hires these guys. All native territories do. The traditional, so-called traditional ones, the, the band councils, the tribal councils, the, um, the business committees. That's another definition of, of, a, of, a, <laughs> I mean, of a, a tribal governance system. Um, and of course, the, the, the trade or the organizations, USAID, NCAI, I mean, they all have some of the same lawyers advising them as these, you know, native organizations as well. So that's kind of what, what the deal is, you know, and, and in the meantime, and I got to be clear here, when the Senate, not if, when the Senegation cuts this half a billion dollar check and when they continue to pay quarterly payments to the state for an exclusivity that doesn't exist, that they don't agree that exists even, the people are still going to have their policy or their, or their programs cut because the Seneca Nation isn't making the money they once made. I mean, and it's not just COVID-19. The market was already contracting. It's already being inundated with Pennsylvania, not, of course, Canada, um, uh, Ohio, other, you know, and the state. The state's got casinos. You know what the state plans to do now? They're going to open up three more casinos around New York City, um, which is, you know, the, what they think is the golden goose. They're also going to do what Native people have been prohibited from doing all this time which is to, uh, not just doing sports betting but doing it on phones no they're gonna states going all in with gaming so if you think that gaming somehow uh you know is 
that the Seneca Nation can maintain a certain market share. The only thing that was going to ever that was that could allow the Senecas to maintain a certain level of prosperity in gaming was no longer paying twenty five percent to the state. That's the only thing that would have kept them, considering what they were losing in market share to the state and others. That twenty five percent, and I'll tell you something else about that twenty five percent. That is the exclusivity uh, um, provision. Because nobody can compete close to you if they've got to pay 30 or 40% to the state and you pay nothing. They, they just can't. I mean, that's what DeLago's been saying. And, and of course, DeLago's been saying it. It's not even true. DeLago's been saying, well, the reason that we're struggling and we can't even pay our, um, you know, our loans off, we can only pay interest on our loans, we can't handle the debt service, is because we can't compete with the Senecas who aren't paying the state. Well, the Senecas may not have been paying the state, but they've been putting it in an escrow account. The Senecas weren't keeping all that 25% and putting it back into their business in promotions and then loosening up the machine. No, they weren't doing any of that. So you just couldn't compete, period. And if they had to compete against a Seneca casino that was paying nothing to the state, that could do more for their their people and do more for their business, Delago would be belly up. But I got to tell you, <laughs> Senecas, if you think the gaming is, be, is, is, a, is the tail wagging the dog right now. There are pitches coming from DeLago to sell them, to be sold to the Seneca Nation. There are pitches coming from Finger Lakes Gaming, you know, their, their race track casinos, to sell that to, uh, and same with Batavia. I mean, talk about putting all your eggs in one basket. I mean, it's, it's pretty sad. Hey, look, we're about to, at the bottom of the hour, so I'm going to take a break. I'm going to Take a drink, wet my whistle, and we'll come back. i got to do a few other things i got to talk with you about, but uh, we'll do that when we come back. This is John Kane, and this is Let's Talk Native. Thanks for coming back. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. And um, look, we're talking about some heavy stuff here, but um, uh, let me let me talk a little bit about what we do here. Um, we're in our, in our 11th year of doing Let's Talk Native, and we do two shows a week, uh, Saturday and, and, and uh, Tuesdays. Or Tuesdays and Saturdays, depending on how you want to break it up. Um, that's when we do them live on Facebook. They go out as a podcast, and, and that's where you can listen to it at any time you want. Um, but we've been doing this for a while. And, you know, sometimes, look, there are people who, who love to hear what I've got to say, and sometimes not so much. Uh, but I get it. I mean, I try to be consistent in what, what I talk about. I know I've had some people criticize, well, why aren't you talking about this? And, and you know, unless, unless you listen to every show, you don't know what I don't talk about because I pretty much try to cover everything um, and all the, all the issues that, that, that we face. And, and there are some issues that I don't like talking about. I don't like dragging our own people, you know, airing our dirty laundry or talking about what's wrong on our territories. But... Man, it's it's hard not to, you know. So I mean, it's what we do here. But you know, our our shows um, go out as a podcast. So I and and as a YouTube video. So I encourage you to subscribe to our podcast, and you can just look us up by um, 
asking Alexa or go on Google and say, let's talk native podcast or let's not talk native with John Kane podcast. You'll find them. And we're on all the, the, you know, the, the popular platforms. We also have a YouTube channel, which is let's talk native TV. And we do not only videos of this show, but I also do a show in New York every Thursday. And that show gets put up as a video on let's talk native TV. It also airs as a podcast with my let's talk native podcast, but it's a live, it's, it's a live show um, that that goes out on WBAI Radio in New York City, and that's Thursday at three o'clock. Look, if you get a chance, check out our last show. Um, uh, Regan DeLoggins is my is my co-host, and she's just great. She does great work. Uh, we did we did a good show talking about a pipeline that's going through Brooklyn. I, I think everybody knows how much we stand up the pipelines where they come through our territories, but it it's kind of all our territories, and and every pipeline does the same thing it continues the dependency on fossil fuels so so check out our show from last thursday and of course check out our show next thursday i will say i i've got uh, in fact i didn't even (laughs) tell this to jake yet but janine yazi from navajo territory is joining us on tuesday um and she's going to give us some insight i know navajo territory has been out of the news uh with the exception of billy graham's evangelical motorhome going there or something like that but but uh, janine's going to give us some insights that perhaps you you haven't heard at all yet and certainly now that navajo um the crisis in navajo territory has been gotten out of the news cycle uh, it doesn't mean the problems have gone away so uh, that's that's going to be our our tuesday show our, our next let's talk native show so doing a little bit of a promo on some of that stuff um Look, I do, as always, I want to give a shout-out to my, my sponsors. I want to thank Ross and Holly John and the RJE family of businesses, Eric White and ERW Enterprises, and the folks at Grand River Enterprises as well. Um, these are the guys that uh, that help us do everything week-to-week, month-to-month. But I also want to thank those of you who, you know, dropped $25 on a PayPal account or, um, or, or put, um, you know, or put a check in the mail or, or whatever. I mean, whatever... The little bit that that people do that are outside of my regular sponsors, it helps us. I mean, you know, look, we're we're constantly trying to improve the product. Sometimes uh, technology isn't kind to us, but uh, but we get through it. And uh, and we think every you know we think we're we are improving what we're doing here. We think the the visual quality is getting better. Um, uh, on another note, with with our YouTube channel, we've got a new video that's coming out shortly. Um, we we do these short form videos. This one's a little longer than our normal ones because there's a lot of content there, um, but they're not a one hour show. So these are the these are the things that we do here. And and I'm saying this stuff so you understand what is this show about. This show is about having conversations, not just with me, whether it's on Facebook or in, in comments or whatever else, but it's about me trying to give you information so you can have the conversations. And, you know, and, and all this news with Seneca's, um, look, if it, if it helps being pissed off at me because I, you know, I got you riled up, then that's okay. Then, then use that. Use that to, to, get, to get satisfaction from the folks that you, you're electing, I guess. I mean, use the information. Be, become armed with information. Not just the information that I'm giving you, but perhaps let me, um, you know, pick something in your brain so you go out and get more information. I'm trying to further or start conversations. 
not trying to be the conversation. I'm not trying to give the final word on anything. I want everybody to be armed with enough information so when they're confronted with a racist situation, they, know they are armed to stand up to it. Because we have to. Nobody's going to do this stuff for us. And we all don't have lawyers to speak for us. <laughs> for that, I'm glad. So, so please, use your own critical thinking. Use your own common sense to, to gather more information. I know, look, there's a lot of crap out there. And there's a lot of stuff on the internet. And look, anything that, that, that I've said that, you know, that you question then find a more reliable source than me to either prove that what I said was wrong or to verify what I said. And then you tell people, I don't need to be the only voice. I'm trying to be a voice, not the voice. So again, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to squirm out of responsibility or anything else, but uh, um, there's not a whole lot of people doing this. Uh, You know, the, the kind of show that I do, even in New York, is different than most because I'm not at trying to give a conventional native perspective. I'm trying to give an unconventional. I'm trying to give the, the counter narrative. I don't want to sound like the lawyers. I mean, I can use better vocabulary, I guess, if that's what people want. But I guarantee that when you break down the message, what I'm saying and what lawyers are saying are completely different. I don't believe that we're part of New York State. I don't believe they're part of the United States. I know other people don't necessarily hold that that way. And so what, everything that I frame in my conversation is about this notion of untangling ourselves from the systems of oppression. Decolonization. Decolonization is not just finding comfortable places within those systems. It's re- getting rid of those systems and using our own systems. And if we don't have them, then we create them. But we create them. We don't copy what's out there that's not working. We don't copy their justice system. We don't copy their police, their law enforcement system. And we sure shouldn't be copying their their political systems. Those fail. They don't work. They are, I mean, they are lessons in futility just looking at them. And you know what? The sad part is we, we had all this stuff. And we... You know, we got squeezed, we got repressed, we got, you know, moved, we got our land bases reduced. And as we, we threw the baby out with the bathwater, as, as corruption even got into our chief's councils and, you know, and, and male dominance started, you know, started pushing away the, 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 the power of women within our systems. We, we just became complicit in our own assimilation. We, we spend more time bragging about uh, serving in the U.S. military than standing up to New York State. We'll do, we'll do entire powwows, veteran, veteran, Native American veterans powwows. But we don't do anything to praise, you know, the women's stopping a pipeline or, or you know, or anybody standing up to the, to the state, to, the, to any of these oppressive systems, these industries. These, you know, these guys who appropriate our images for mascots and uh, for their amusement. Nobody praises those people. We're, instead, we're going to continue to talk about Navajo code talkers. Like they were the only ones who even did that, right? 
look, we've got, we've got to rethink. We've got to rethink this because anytime I talk about a subject on the show, whether it's mascots, whether it's Columbus statues or gaming, somebody's going to say, "I don't know why you're talking about that." Why aren't you talking about uh, the drug problem? Why aren't you talking about um, missing and murdered indigenous women? I am talking about those things. And, and I do talk about those things. And if you are going to look at, as I go from subject to subject, and, and then decide that the subject I'm talking about is something that, you don't, that you're not interested in, here's the thing that, that I find amazing. When people say, when somebody will take time out of their day to say, I think what you're talking about isn't that important. Then why was it important enough for you to weigh in? Look, look, if you don't think the mascot issue is important, then shut up and get out of the way. You don't need to, you know, bog down some, uh, some Facebook thread with, with your negativity. If it's not important, then why are you weighing in? And, and that's, that's just it. It's because there are so many people who just want to criticize everybody else. Look, I'm not saying every Native person has to step up to fight mascots or to fight Columbus statues or you know or, or any of the misappropriation of our names and images or correct the history books. Look, if that's not what you're into, then 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 don't tell me to fight poverty. You fight poverty. Because I'm gonna speak out on poverty. I'm gonna speak out on substance abuse. I'm gonna speak out on the suicide rate and the missing and murdered. I'm going to do all those things. But when I have somebody you know, tell me or criticize a friend of mine who's an activist and who is fighting for a topic that are among a whole line of topics. And I see somebody taking their time to criticize that one thing that somebody's, uh, that, that somebody's giving some, dedicating some time to. And yet that's exactly what they're doing. They're dedicating their time to, to be counterproductive. So, we try to address a lot of the issues here. And, and I'm not even going to suggest what issues are more important than, than others. I've talked about how worried I am about the future. And part of what worries me about the future is there are things that are now beyond our control because we've let some of the, that control slip away. And not just the lawyers, but, but there too. But we've, we have changed our lifestyle so now we are just as much a part of the consumer class as any american is and so it's leaving us vulnerable like i said the seneca nation is uh, is in trouble financially i don't know what their uh, you know when their gaming revenue will ever come back well take let me say this i don't think it's ever going to come back to what it once was and yet they're still going to pay the state. And I don't think there's anybody looking really, really aggressively on what the next thing is. And because of that, all the eggs... I mean, that's why they're going to look at the next gaming thing. Are we, are we going to build more gaming down on 5 and 20? Are we going to buy another casino? Are we going to buy a, a racetrack? Are we going to buy... Let me tell you a story about Foxwood. Foxwood was the most successful gaming operation in the world in the world and you know what banks investors lenders hedge funds everybody wanted to give money to foxwood and you know what foxwood did they took it they took all that money and they built more space and they overbuilt and overbuilt every 
contractor had you know, had all their change orders. Everything they bought cost more and more and more. It's kind of like how the Osage got screwed in the in, in the early 1900s because they had money. <laughs> Everybody was getting a piece of it. Foxwood had to uh, had to file Chapter 11. Foxwood had to file for bankruptcy protection, and when when the the Pequots were getting and I want to say like $100,000 a month. That all went away. Now, there wasn't very many Pequots, so a bunch of them got, uh, did get jobs where they, and they were gainfully employed, but it wasn't the free money they were getting when, when they were living high on the hog. Why? Because they overspent and they, and they drove themselves to bankruptcy. That can happen to a lot of people. And not just because of bad management. Obviously, COVID nineteen. I'm doing it now, right? COVID nineteen can 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 put a lot of people out of business, and it ain't going anywhere. I mean, I think what is it? it's going by. I think globally, it's like three hundred thousand per day. There's three hundred thousand new cases per day, between two hundred fifty and three hundred thousand per day, per day. And I mean, in in the United States, they're back up to a thousand uh, deaths a day in the United States alone. So. It ain't going away, folks. And so anybody who thinks that there's going to there's this sense for returning to normal. Normal sucked, by the way. Returning to what it once was, there was a lot wrong with what was happening before, <laughs> including the fights over gaming revenue with the states and that kind of stuff. But that's just stuff that isn't going away. There's, there's some hardship coming down. And, you know, and, and I guess it's a good thing that the... That the the Senecas didn't create entire dependency on, uh, as, at least for amongst the main, you know, everybody who lives in Seneca territory. I mean, a lot of jobs, a lot of jobs, and some of those salaries are being cut or being eliminated or never coming back. Maybe they got layoffs and they're never coming back. I mean, Seneca Nation is nowhere back to uh, full employment again. No, not even, not even close. And it's hard to know when that's going to happen. Money's going to flow to the state. Before money starts flowing back, back here, and and the only thing that that was really there to to save, you know, some of you know to ease some of that pain, was a half a billion dollars sitting in some accounts that that they're going to give away. They're just going to give it away. So I mean, I I know this stuff all sounds terrible, <laughs> but there's a lot of bad things that are coming down the pike. I mean, we see the social unrest, the racism, the blatant racism. And yes, we are affected by that. Native people are killed at a higher rate than black people are by cops. I mean, we're a smaller number, so the number, total numbers doesn't seem like much. But no, that's, that's the reality. We can't, we, we, we ha- we've lost our ability to live off of our lands adequately. I'm glad the Seneca Nation, although it has been a hard fight from what I understand, does have an ag project, but it's not enough. It's nowhere near enough. Why? Because the political will wasn't there. I mean, the Seneca Nation could have used gaming revenue and created a huge um, surplus of food uh, and, and the ability for food production. So at very least... There, there, there would be food. Look, there are three real needs <laughs> to be um, dry, warm, and fed. I mean, look, that's that's the need you have, you know, for for, the, for human beings. 
We, you know, we we gotta be sheltered, and we gotta be fed, and uh, you know, and, and we gotta be warm. <laughs> I mean, that those are the three basic needs. Everything else we've gotten into has created a false dependency. So we need to do. I mean, I did a show before on this. I talked about um, survival training. And, you know, and it may have sounded, sounded pie in the sky to talk about survival training, but there's, there is no downside to knowing how to feed yourself. Whether it's, you know, learning how to feed yourself from the, from the outdoors, you know, knowing what foods that you can harvest that grow naturally, knowing how to garden, knowing how to hunt, how to skin, how to cook, how to prepare wild game. We don't do any of that. Most people can't even light a fire. If they did, maybe those drug houses would be gone. <laughs> I'll, I'll back away from that one. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, this is, um, we, we need to do better. When I talk about decolonization and stripping away, untangling and, and removing those systems of oppression, we need to understand our quality of life does not have to only be based on the paycheck we get at the end of the day or at the end of the week. Because that's what we've geared everything towards. And I don't know. I, look, it may sound, you know, you know, Armageddon-like or end-of-days-like. Look, ATMs could stop working. <laughs> you know what? I mean, people got upset when they couldn't find toilet paper at, at Walmart anymore. But there's a, a, a food chain supply that could be much more affected in the next six months than, than have been in the last four but most people aren't even, aren't even thinking about that. There's, there might be some really, really tough times coming. And, and we, in the, in the communities that we are, we should be able to come together and support each other more because they don't do that out there. Not so much. No, I know they have food banks and they, got, they have churches and stuff like that. But, man, the downsides of some of those things are worse than the upsides. So... Look, as I talk about bad news here on my, on my show, and I, and I and I offer my my criticisms of, of native governance and the influence of lawyers on, on our on our lives and that kind of stuff, know that that I want I, I want us to have better lives, and and I want us to not be taken advantage of, not by white people, not by lawyers uh, who make make a lot of money off of uh off of us uh, let me say this for whatever money goes to new york state and whatever money goes elsewhere the lawyers are all getting paid their three four five hundred six hundred dollars an hour that's what they get paid so and and again i know you know i, I think i saw somebody say something about you know native lawyers as i said earlier they are some of the worst because we get lulled into a false sense that they somehow you know, are going to place us, you know, keep, keep the priority straight. But they don't. They went to school and learned the same thing the white guys learned. And that's what their, that's where their advice comes from. In fact, a lot of the, our Native people who get into these professional services, their goal is to compete directly and, with white people. So they emulate that. And they aren't going to, I mean, no native lawyer wants the, the white lawyers to say, oh, yeah, yeah, he's a native lawyer. 
Yeah, he believes they're sovereign. No, and and so you don't hear that. You don't hear that. I don't know. This is um, we are truly in in a tough spot right now, and I don't know what the answer is, but I know it has to come from people coming together, and and it can't be led by by white lawyers, consultants, um, and lobbyists. It just can't be. We have to do a better job representing our narrative, our lives, our concerns, and our perspectives. That's what is required of us. So that's what we have to do. All right, hey, y'all. Again, Janine Yazi will be joining us on Tuesday from Navajo Territory. We'll get the lowdown on what's happening there. Um, look forward to that show. I haven't, I haven't had a, a real extensive conversation with Janine in a number of years, so looking forward to that. So see us back here uh, on Tuesday, or if you don't watch us live, then uh, just check out this podcast and make sure you check out every podcast and then you won't miss a thing. This is John Gain. This is Let's Talk Native. Yeah. Uh-huh.